This is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call, just saying, welcome to the broadcast. This is a serious message tonight. Um, we're living in serious times. And um, I just want to say thank you, first and foremost, to everybody who prays for the Remnant Call. Uh, prayers for my family, my um, for my nephew, Luke, who is doing wonderful. Just praise God for it. Uh for Brother Benjamin and for others, uh, thank you so much. God bless you for that. And um, without prayers, you know, I, I learned one thing in the military, in the Marines. The front line cannot survive without rear support. And folks, some of you, you can't get out there uh, in, in on the front lines, maybe whatever the, the situation may be, but you can pray. And you can pray for those who are. And so thank you so much. And thank you for those who have supported uh, the Remnant Call um, any donations. Now, listen, I, I hesitate to say it. My wife tells me I need to say thank you on the air. Um, I don't like to say it because I don't want you to think I'm asking for money. I Hear me clearly. This program does not ask for money. But I just want to say thank you for those who have supported this ministry, and God bless you for it. Um, you know, I was off last week. I was in Texas. I took a microphone with me. I was going to do a program there. I said, you know what? I need a break and uh, work. Everything that's going on in the world, I just needed some time off, visited some family, and um, had some good barbecue. Praise God for that. And uh, you just, you know, thank the Lord and some good time with my family. And uh, just thanking the Lord for that. Folks, family is important. And, um, you know, there's so much going on in this world. And uh, husbands, we need to remember, we are the ministers. We are the heads of our homes, spiritually and physically. Our wives, our co-heirs, just as important. They lead and do so much. Without them, we can't survive. But folks, remember, especially you husbands, to step up to the plate and to do your responsibility as the man in the house. Um, the reason we have so many problems in our society today is because the women have had to step up because the men are absent. Shame on us for doing that. God bless the women who have been there to take uh, care of the children and to do the things that the men and leading spiritually in the house because the men have been absent. So I just thank the ladies for that. But men, it's time to rise up and be a man. Uh, last time I checked, our God is a warrior and he's looking for warriors. Um, not lot for these sissies and people that just want to sit back and gripe and complain, but he's looking for people that are of action and willing to do something in this world to make a difference in somebody's life for the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are definitely living in some trying times, and I want to speak about it tonight. Um, this is holy war. This is kind of like a part two to a message I had on holy war a while back. I don't know, a year or two ago. It's been a while. Um, but this is a serious message. Holy war. God will fight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus, that you have not given up on us, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, that the times we have failed, we have broken promises, we've messed up, we've said we would and we didn't, Lord. You didn't give up on us. And Lord, we want to come back and do the things that you've asked us to do, to fulfill the words, Lord, that we've said we would fulfill, to be faithful to the commitments that we have made, Lord, to follow you. And Lord, I ask that you would take the surrender that we are offering tonight on this program and complete it to your perfect will and honor and glory, Lord, and give me the words to speak that they would be uh, piercing, that they would be direct, but they'd be uplifting and encouraging, knowing, Lord, we are living in some dangerous times, and we need to make some serious decisions about what we're going to do in these days ahead. This is my prayer in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to start off by sharing a story. Uh, I love the story. It's a story of little Johnny. So many little Johnny stories, but five-year-old little Johnny was in the kitchen as his mother had made supper. She asked him to go into the pantry and get her a can of tomato soup, but he didn't want to go in alone. It's dark in there, and he, I'm scared, he told his mother. She asked again, and, and he persisted. Finally, she said, it's okay, Johnny. Jesus will be with you. Johnny walked hesitantly over to the pantry door, and he slowly opened it. He peeked inside, he saw it was dark, and he started to leave when all at once an idea came, and he said this, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me that can of tomato soup? Now, I like this story. It's a cute little story. But the truth and the reality right now is fear is no laughing matter. The devil has found a foothold into God's church in this day and age with fear. Instead of being bold overcomers facing the enemy of this world in confidence that we serve a mighty God, the church, and I'm talking about the remnant believers even listening here to this program, all around, we know what the carnal-minded church is, but I'm talking about even in those in the so-called remnant, uh, in the those that are awake in this hour, fear has taken over so many. The church in America, for the most part, has been left cowering, afraid, even to the point where we can no longer hardly function because we're so worried about what's going on in our election, what's going on in this and that and the other, and we forgot the mission that we have been given to save the lost. If we dare to speak up about something, we may either offend someone or cause someone to not like us, so we just go around keeping our mouths shut or at least whispering quietly to others because we live in this fear. And the world and our government has the American church cowering in this hour that we have almost no effect on our society anymore. The church used to make a difference in America, but not anymore. You see, we're so worried about the coronavirus and everything that's going on that we're allowing the government to tell us how we can worship, what we can do, and how we are to follow our God. Last time I checked, the government has no right over God's house and the way we worship him. But because we are so worried about these sicknesses and everything that's going on, we can hardly even move. Look, folks, I'm not, listen, I'm no dummy. I know that there are seriously people that are sick with coronavirus. I understand that. 
But right now, I think the last time I looked, it was 99.4% survival rate. Folks, there have always been people sick with the flu and everything else and dying. But right now, every time we hear something, it's it's magnified a hundredfold. And people are so afraid of what's going on that we can hardly even function as a society anymore because of this uh, devilish uh, fear that has been installed in the minds of believers to where we can hardly even function. The devil is attending church in America and he's feeling right at home, just as comfortable as he can be because people are afraid. We're so worried about everything in this life. If God wanted to perform an actual miracle, I wonder, do we have the faith to even believe it anymore? Church, remnant, believers in the Almighty, I'm not going to here to beat you up tonight. No, no, I'm not. Trust me, I'm, I'm speaking to you. I speak to myself also. This message is for one reason only, to restore your confidence in a mighty, warring God. Turn with me the scripture to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. I want to look at this verse in 28 through 31. Matthew chapter uh, 10, verses 28 to 31. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore... You are more than many, you are more value than many sparrows. I want to start out by looking at the first part of this verse. It's very important. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. I want to look at what the Word of God says. After nine terrible plagues had fallen on Egypt, God had dealt a death blow to Pharaoh. After time and time again of not listening to Moses, Pharaoh relented when he lost his firstborn son. Sounds like so often our story of our own lives. God keeps telling us and and encouraging us and and guiding us, but it's not until something hits deep within the very soul, something that touches our lives in a deep way that we finally wake up and listen and give in to what God is trying to do in our lives. After all these plagues, Pharaoh had relented when he lost his firstborn. Finally, there was joy and excitement. God's people were leaving Egypt They had seen his mighty hand and witnessed his terrible plagues. They knew that God had truly brought them a deliverer in this man named Moses. And to top it all off, God had restored their confidence by showing them favor in the Egyptians' eyes. Not only were they leaving, but they were loaded with every provision. They could carry compliments of the local Egyptians. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 35. And it said, The children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels and silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians." 
That If that wasn't enough, God decided, you know what? I'm going to do something even greater than that. Not only am I going to allow you to spoil the Egyptians and leave with all these goods, I'm going to give you a personal escort out of the land of Egypt in a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. God was showing his power to his children. The Israelites were on a spiritual high for for God had done great wonders and they were enjoying the blessing. God sent them out of Egypt absolutely loaded. Things were going good. Suddenly, though, the word got back to Pharaoh and reality began to set in. Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 4, it says this, or excuse me, in verse 5, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. So here the Pharaoh had finally relented when his first son was taken. But then after a little bit, he started wondering, what have I done What have I done? And folks, I've realized this. He might be talking about Pharaoh, but I can see so much this in our own lives, in my life and others, how often something deeply happens that affects us to turn our hearts back to God. But soon as reality, soon as a little bit of time passes, we want to slip back into our old ways so quickly. But it didn't matter. God had shown his mighty hand. He had revealed his strong hand in releasing all of those plagues on Egypt. He was leading the children of Egypt in a pillar of fire. Why would they fear? So what if Pharaoh had relented and decided to come after? Who cares? God was leading them out by a mighty hand, a strong tower. Was he leading them out? I mean, what more could God do to show them that he not only loved them, but he was their protector. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 9 says this, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and the chariots and the pharaohs and and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pilehirath before Baal-zephon. And when, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Therefore hast thou, wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. 
here at Moses had done all these things. God was still leading them. Nobody had done anything right. And here they were crying out to Moses. They were on high. But as soon as the first moment of trouble came, as soon as the first test, God was with them. He's still leading them. And a test comes. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second here. Hold on. If I am going to a fight, and I'm a kid, right? And my father is the greatest MMA fighter in the world. And here comes another, you know, person chump behind behind me some street punk wanting to fight and you know my dad's there with me he's the greatest fighter in the world why am I going to fear but the first test that came along they forgot about what God was doing folks is the same thing happening to us in this hour have we forgotten what God is doing Have we forgotten his promises to never leave us nor forsake us? Have we forgotten that he was going to fight for us? Have we forgotten that he's coming back and he's going to render judgment unto the wicked? Have we forgotten these things? Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 10. Starting in verse 28 again. Remember it said, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, God was trying to remind in through Matthew and through Christ in that day to the people that don't fear the Egyptians, don't fear the coronavirus, don't fear the government, don't fear what man can do to you. Fear the one who can destroy the soul in hell fire. That's the only person, the only one you need to fear. But today, fear is gripping the churches, because whatever prophecies that somebody's made hasn't come to pass, or whatever something someone said hasn't come to come to fruition right yet. Folks, I don't care what anybody says. The truth is God is still on the throne, and he is still leading his people, and it doesn't matter what Dana Coverstone says or anybody else says. What matters is that God is going to fight for us in this hour, whether somebody's predictions come to pass or not. The truth is the word of God will, has, and never will change ever. He is here to fight. Now, I'm not coming out against anybody right now. I'm just saying we are allowing the fear of this world to take charge of us because we have been putting faith in men and women instead of in God. And it has to stop. Fear. Proverbs chapter 14 says this in verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, excuse me, in verse, uh, yeah, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and the children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. You see, folks, when you fear man, it destroys. It scares. It messes us up. It ruins our confidence. But when you fear God, it builds a refuge in your life. It's a fountain of life, the Bible says, and it helps us to depart from the snares of death, meaning the fear of the Lord is to hate sin. 
You see, when we fear God, it's a different type of fear. It's the kind of fear that builds confidence in us. It's the kind of fear that makes us believe and trust that God can do whatever we need him to do, no matter what the situation is in. And if we don't get the answer to our prayer exactly as we want it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Folks, if you pray for somebody and you believe and God doesn't heal that person, it doesn't mean that you are a bad person or you lack faith. You got to remember that you're not God. We beg, we plead, we pray, but ultimately God makes the decision on when he's going to answer and you will not force his hand. You cannot force God's hand. Yes, you can turn his heart. You can have him to repent, meaning change his mind on something, but you cannot force him because some things are just going to happen no matter what in life. And we have to remember that. But there's more to that verse. There's a second parts to that verse that I want us to look at a little bit more. Verse 29 Matthew chapter 10, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear you not, therefore you are more value than many sparrows. You see, God talks about fear beginning in this verse. Don't fear the man. Only fear him which can destroy the soul. And then he goes on to say, listen, there's not a single sparrow that's going to fall from the sky that your heavenly father doesn't know about. But don't you understand that the very hairs on your head are numbered? Listen, folks, the truth is in this world right now, sparrows will fall. We're going to have sicknesses. Bad things are going to happen to good people. But that doesn't mean God doesn't care. You see, this big God that we serve, even though sparrows fall, even though bad things sometimes happen to good people, it doesn't mean that they're not in his hand anymore. And see, when, when we forget and we begin to fear man, we forget that God is in control and we begin to turn our life's control over to the fear of people, not understanding that even when something bad happens, that God is in control. Yes, sparrows are going to fall. But that doesn't mean they're going to be apart from our Father's hands. He said he numbered the very hairs on your head. That means he cares about you. Back to Exodus chapter 14. So you're, maybe you're like the children of Israel. You're at your exodus in life. You're standing at the edge of the Red Sea. God has been with you all those years. You've seen his mighty hand leading. But now suddenly out of nowhere, Pharaoh seems to be closing in behind you. Maybe a family member's sick. Maybe some, maybe you're sick. Maybe something's happened. And, and, and all of a sudden, all those years of God doing something, we tend to forget it. Maybe this is your exodus at this moment. Suddenly things at work maybe are causing you to worry. 
Maybe a doctor gave you some bad news. Maybe you don't have the finances to make your rent. Maybe there's a family crisis and you just don't know how God is going to deliver you. You look back in the moment of weakness. You begin to tremble because you're wondering, does God even care? Look at verse 13 again in Exodus chapter 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptian whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. God says to the people, listen, I know you're in an exodus right now. I know that Donald Trump didn't win and maybe you're disappointed. I know that the world is going crazy and everything's falling apart. I know that they're doing all these horrible things and the great, you know, this country that we've all loved seems to be falling to pieces. I know that wickedness is going on right now and maybe you've gotten some news that you can't handle, but you need to remember right now that your God is going to fight for you. God says to his people, stand still, hold your peace, meaning shut your mouth. Just be quiet for a minute and watch while your God does something. He will fight for you. In your moment of weakness, in my moment of weakness, God has not given up, church. Yes, sparrows are going to fall in life. Bad things are going to happen to good people. This world is not fair. But God says today, this day, I will fight for you. Not one sparrow will fall that is not in your father's hand. Not one thing that will happen to you that you are not in his hand You serve a mighty God, a strong tower, a mighty fortress. And when all the hosts of hell are surrounding you, your God will fight for you. Because he cares. And you and me and all of us right now listening were born and we are here for such a time as this. God is going to fight and see us through to the very end. And folks, I'm telling you, we are on the very precipice. And yes, when when God is ready to do something, folks, the the lies, the fall, for every truth, there is a false lie that's out there and there's a counterfeit for every real thing. So folks, we got to remember with all the deception going on, that must mean that God is ready to do something because the devil must counterfeit at the end of time because he knows his time is short. And even though he is attacking, he knows what's headed up for him at the end. Because your God is going to fight. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 49. Starting in verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Maybe that's been you. God responds back. Can a woman 
forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget. Yes, this world may forget. Maybe your parents abandoned you. Maybe everything went south. Maybe someone forgot. Maybe your friends turned on you. But God says, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee. Upon the palms of my hands, thy walls are continually before me. Will sparrows fall? Yes. Yes, they will. But no one of them will be apart from your father's hands. Because he has graven you in the palm of his hands. John Patton was a missionary in the New Hebrides Island. One night, hostile natives surrounded the mission station, intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them. Patton and his wife prayed during their terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see their attackers leave. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ. Remembering what had happened, Patton asked the chief, What had kept him from burning down the house and killing them? The chief replied in surprise, Who were all those men with you? Patton knew no men were present, but the chief said he was afraid to attack because he had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords circling the mission station. Stand still, remnant. Stand still, church of the Most High. Your God will fight for you. This is Brother Frank on the remnant call saying, keep the faith, keep in the fight, and don't forget, your God will fight for you. Good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sound